it is very tedious. It's always going to be tedious. Like you always get that one director who's always like, one more take, one more take. That was perfect, but one more. And it's like, it's always the same thing over and over again. But uh, to get about a minute and a half of filming takes about, on a good day, takes about 12 hours. So, and on top of that, they could still be, you know, taking a look at that minute and a half on the next day. Like an eighth of a page alone could take an entire day. Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our interview with, I hope I get it right, Chui Okoye? Chui Okoye, yeah. Okay, awesome. And Chui Okoye has most recently played Merrick, right, on The Witcher, and he's had a background in theater and other movies, and I'm excited to talk to him about his experience. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, so first question, just um, one of the things that I always think about is that a lot of people think that being an actor or something like they can't do. It's like, oh, it's for people who grew up with, you know, in like a family that did that kind of thing or that had the right connections. So I'm curious when you were growing up, what kind of family did you grow up in? What kind of community did you grow up in? Was it something that was on your mind? Was it something that was encouraged? Um, yeah, this is an interesting question. Um, I guess growing up, I uh, spent a lot of time with my great-grandmother and my grandma, uh, both of them would always kind of encourage me to watch interesting movies. So like I grew up watching like Terminator 2, uh, you know, Back to the Future, just weird stuff like that. And so like that sci-fi aspect always kind of inspired me to a bit. So I was always saying like, yeah, I want to be an astronaut. I want to go in outer space and I want to do this and that. And they were like, you know what? Why don't you just become an actor where you can do all of these things at the same time? And I'm just like, oh. That's a great idea. I would, I'd love to be able to be an astronaut one day, a lawyer another day, and then be a superhero some other day. So I kind of was pushed in that direction pretty early. So from a young age, I started doing like child commercials for PBS Kids and WGBH. I'm not sure if you've heard about those uh, um, channels back in the States, but yeah, I did some stuff with them. And uh a few commercials and from there I was just like yeah this is something I really wanted to do that's so interesting uh, so yeah. that's your family pushed you that's where did any of them have any acting background no actually um I did have one uncle who did do a lot of uh film work and commercials but he didn't really speak to the family much because uh, some other reasons, but I'm back in touch with them now. And so he's kind of helping me, you know, guide me along about what processes I shouldn't be taking and what I should and shouldn't do. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I've heard a lot of people say that their family thinks that they shouldn't be actors because they'll always be starving and that kind of stuff. So you had the opposite experience with your family. Right. Because, like, I've always heard those stories as well, where it's just like, oh, no, you're going to be a starving actor. No actor really makes it. And it's just like, it depends on the worth ethic. Like, you could be a working actor by doing uh, murder mystery dinners every single night. Mm -hmm. That's an acting experience. And it's still, you know, putting money 
in your pocket. It's putting food on the table. Um, just depends on what kind of actor you wanted to be. So if you wanted to be like on Broadway, that's a path that you're going to have to take. And it's going to take a lot of sacrifices to get there. But in order to be that working actor, there are plenty of avenues and plenty of options available. Mm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I never, I guess I never thought about being an actor in those kind of like live situations, like murder mystery dinners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, cool. So what, so when you went from being, doing like commercials, where did you go from there? And did you study acting like in school or anything? Yeah. So right around the age of like 11 or 12, I started taking uh, summer courses at like Wheelock College in Boston. And I was doing a lot of theater stuff where I would learn song and dance, stage combat and all these other things. Um, but shortly after that, I did one play and then I was trying to focus more on college. And that's where the family push kind of shifted. And they were like, oh, you should you know, set up a plan B first and then work on your plan A. And so I went to school for computer engineering because I was always good with computers. But by the time I actually got that degree, it wasn't something I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. I kind of doubled back and went back into acting. And now I'm doing that full time. <laughs> That's funny. Do you ever do computer engineering for fun? Like, I don't know, do some coding? <laughs> um, I did like a while back, but not recently, like not in the last six years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, That's yeah. funny. All my friends are still doing coding or cybersecurity and stuff like that. So it's all over the place. That's cool. Well, I at least you ticked off that box. <laughs> yeah. Had that experience. One of the things my mom always says is that anything you learn in life is helpful. So I hope you feel the computer engineering degree was useful in some way. I mean, I never need help with my computer. <laughs> <laughs> is ever a problem? I know how to fix it. <laughs> okay, that's useful. Yeah. So, yeah. so you got your degree and then what did you do to get back into acting? Um. So I started getting in contact with a few friends who were doing some local theater stuff. So down in Rhode Island and Connecticut, there would be some community plays and I would uh, audition and try to get a part in those plays. And from there, um, a friend of mine told me about doing some background work. So I started doing a lot of background acting around in the Boston area and started trying to pursue an agent out there. And mm -hmm. My first agent that I tried to get was like, hey, you need to have this kind of showreel. And I was like, I don't know what a showreel is, mm -hmm. but I can try and put one together. And it turned out to be a hot mess. <laughs> I didn't end up getting the agent, but he put me in contact with some people who could help push me in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So, And when I you say background up, uh, acting, do you mean like being an extra in the background? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean... I think background actors are the most important part of any film, only mm -hmm. because what kind of setting would it set if uh, you have two actors who are in downtown LA and the streets are empty? Right. It's not gonna <laughs> look right. And it's supposed to be, you know, a rom-com. Like, where's everybody else? Like, are these people just segregated out mm -hmm. in like some different universe or mm -hmm. are they, you know, in real life with everyone else? Yep. So they, they bring I, I an I grew up in New York City, and every time I'd watch a movie in, in New York, I'd be like, 
are those people all paid to be there and walk around or like did they cordon off a street or are they just filming with everyone? That's when I was a kid and I, I didn't quite understand how it worked. I was like, why are there so many people? <laughs> why are they paying them all? Oh yeah. yeah. Nine times out of 10, they are. Nine mm -hmm. times. <laughs> that one ten sometimes they're getting away with some guerrilla filming that they just happen to just shoot and they're like, oh, you've got people, just shoot it now and be done. <laughs> mm -hmm. So just depends on the production. So did you get a showreel? Um, I have one. I'm not proud of it, but uh, yeah, I definitely have one now. <laughs> okay. But, yeah. Yeah, I think I actually took in, in reference to the. Sorry. I think I actually saw your showreel or started watching it. <laughs> ah, nice, so, nice. Um, mm. Yeah, so how did you go after you had that experience with the agent? Where did you go from there and working in background acting? So after I had that experience, um, I kind of took a step back and started auditioning for bigger films and looking for more speaking parts. So that way I can have, you know, some really nice things to put into the showreel. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I, um, I got a part on Bleed for This, where I was a uh, newscaster interviewing Vinnie Penzienza, who was played by uh, Miles Teller. And uh, that scene, unfortunately, didn't make it into the final <laughs> film. They switched it out with somebody else. But still, it was something that I could, you know, add to that showreel and see if I can get myself an agent moving forward. And then I did a few commercials for Logitech and... Um, I did a few more uh, community theaters, and then I got offered a featured role in Ready Player One out in London. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay. So I'm getting offers outside of the country and I'm still trying to push something inside the country, but everything is being filmed in the UK right now. So I kind of made the choice to fly out to the United Kingdom and try to set some roots here and start pushing on this side and it's worked out for me so far. That's cool. And you said before that, um, you know, you, I'm assuming you have UK citizenship because of it, one of your parents. So in terms of working, that wasn't an issue, right? Cause I'm assuming you have to have some kind of Correct. ability to work there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like when I did come here to do that ready player one role, I didn't have my British passport all situated just yet. So I had to get it renewed in time for filming. And I ended up uh, not getting that in time and they had to move on from that part. So oh. I came back uh, a month and a half later with my passport and they gave me a different role instead. Oh, but okay. That was an interesting experience. So at least you still got to work on it because that would be ironic if you came all the way there and moved and then they're like, well, we can't give you a role anymore. Right, right. <laughs> It was a bit awkward, but like I, I did move here with intentions to do a little more than just that one role. So I was like, mm -hmm. I wasn't too butthurt about it. But at the same time, I was like, hey, it's it's something that got me to, you know, take the next step. And so I was happy about that. And do you like moving? I know everyone's different with this. Um, I personally love traveling and being in different places. And um, yeah, I mean. I definitely would be happy moving places. Were you excited about moving to a new country? I mean, or I know you said it wasn't so new since you've been there a lot, but. Right. Um, so I was kind of excited to kind of, you know, get a fresh start in a new country to kind of, uh, 
you know, explore the kind of person I wanted to be and explore the kind of interests I wanted to follow. Um, so the, on that aspect, it was good for me. Um, at the same time, trying to pursue it for work was a bit difficult because I didn't know all the people I needed to know to kind of get the work constantly. Mm. So, so that was a bit of a challenge at first, but okay. now it's, it's working out so far. So I guess you built up connections and then started finding work in England? Yes, yeah. So okay. that was a bit of a challenge at first. But so what kind of work have you actually, done in yeah. England? Um, so I've done, have you seen or heard of the show Cursed? It was on Netflix um, mm, about so. a King Arthur story and stuff like that. Yeah, I did that. I've done Fighting With My Family. That was actually filmed in England uh, mm -hmm. for the most part. It was only like three or four scenes that were actually done in LA, but uh, most of it was filmed here. Um, just loads of stuff. I mean, from Spider-Man to Doctor Strange, like all these things, even like Han Solo and a bunch of Star Wars films. It's like so much being filmed over in the UK. It's just sometimes it just becomes a blur, you know? <laughs> That's cool. So have you gotten to work on anything that you really love that you were a fan of before you worked on it? Um, Star Wars was a big one. Um, and then The Witcher was also a, a large one. That was when I was a big fan of the video games and uh, I loved playing before I actually got to be a part of. So oh. those two ones. And also uh, Jurassic World. I, uh, I worked on the second and third one. And so being able to be on set and hear the theme song kind of like brought up some great memories. Oh, yeah, that must that be really nice. meaningful. <laughs> so what kind of roles did you have on them? I, I think, um, if I'm correct, a lot of like stunt type roles. Yes, yeah. So it would, so over here we call it SPAC. So it's, it's not quite stunt, but it's also not just regular stuff. So like, taking falls, running upstairs, jumping off things, not more than two or three meters, but you know, decent stuff. And then also it can be stage combat or firing a gun or getting shot. Mm -hmm. But if they wanted to show like the squid packs, which is like when someone's getting shot and like you, you know, you see all the blood spreading out, that's something that you would actually need a more uh, seasoned stuntman for. So to say, but um, you can go with the spec uh, stuntman for that as well, but also horseback riding and whatnot. Yeah, I, I was looking at your IMDb and you have like this massive list of things you can do, like different sports types. And I was like, whoa, could you, how did you get to know? I mean, were you always like a very active sort of person? Yes, uh, growing up, my dad kept me in soccer, football, and basketball. And I tried a little bit of baseball, but it was uh, just too much downtime for me. So <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it. But yeah, I did a lot of sports, including uh, rugby. And by the time I got to college, I started getting into uh, more sword stuff. So I started doing fencing and uh, martial arts like Taekwondo. And so into those more discipline-like things. And since then, I haven't stopped. So I've got like, what, almost seven or eight years experience in fencing and stuff. And it's just moved on from there. 
That's cool. So is your daily schedule a lot of keeping up with all of those activities? Um, before COVID, yes. <laughs> Lately, I have not followed up on any of that, mm -mm. like whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I was doing a lot of horseback riding before uh, COVID as well, and I was training in a gymnastics gym to work on tricking, and then I broke my leg, and then COVID oh. happened, so I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to take it easy for now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's still pretty impressive. Um, yeah. That's, that's a lot of things one person could do. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, you know, maybe I'll think yeah. I'll put the Witcher questions now and then the, um, like, motivation questions after. So, yeah, how did you get into the Witcher? And so, first of all, it must have been cool that you were playing the video games before. Is that what led you to find out about the Witcher, or did it just happen independently? Um, it actually happened independently. Um, I had a friend who was doing the... Uh, who, who knew the second casting director and they had put me forward to audition for the role. So I sent them uh, a bit of my showreel and uh, a quick uh, rundown of uh, who I was. And then they brought me in for an audition and went through the auditioning process. And then um, it wasn't until after I finished the audition that they told me what I was auditioning for. So that oh, was you mean which role you were auditioning for as well. No, not even the role, just the production. Um, I didn't even know it was The Witcher. So oh. they were just like, oh, yeah, come in for this, this, and the other thing. I was like, all right, cool, cool. And they were like, yeah, I really think you should come and uh, show up for this one. Wait, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm in. I'm... Is there a reason that Sorry. they didn't tell you what you're auditioning for? Um, I don't typically know. It just depends on the casting director at that point. Sometimes they, they don't like to, uh, I guess, create a certain expectation for you to come in because they want you to create a character on the spot rather mm -hmm. than coming in with a preconceived idea of what that character should be to see what mm -hmm. kind of actor you are. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you say so, create a character, what does that mean? Like you walk in, you're like, give us any character? Like how do, what does that mean? Um, for the most part, it's, it's more of like a cold reading. So like they, they want you to read certain lines and react to other lines in accordance to what you think should happen. So you get the script, you see your character and the lines you're reading and you're reading apart from somebody or you have a reader read with you and they just wanna see you create that character. It could just be yourself or it could be something completely different that you're using your own past experiences to kind of develop. And that's what they're looking for. Cool. Okay, so how long after the audition did you hear that you got in the role and what it was for? Um, so I found out what it was for as soon as I finished the audition. They were like, oh, yes, this is for The Witcher. Uh, uh, this is what we're expecting for X amount of time. And we'll let you know if you get the part. And so a few weeks later, I got the call. I was like, there, congratulations, you got the part. We'd like to see you this date. And then we can move forward from there. And it was like, it was a big relief, but yeah, it was interesting. Cool. So yeah, so how did it go um, once you, like what was the process like on set? And yeah, I mean, how, I don't know how long it took you to film your scenes or <clears throat> like how, how long of a commitment it was, but what was it like? Um, so my first day of filming was supposed to be March 12th or 14th. I can't remember exactly, but it was literally the same day as lockdown happened. 
So everything got postponed for another six months. And we were supposed to fly out to Slovakia to do some um, location shooting and go up to Scotland and do some other castle work and stuff like that. And all of that got canceled. So it was just like, okay, this is going to be entirely in the studio. This is, you know, going to be the same, the other thing, but it, it was great. You know, uh, they ended up going to like the Lake District to some of the shots and it, it turned out better for some of the costs for the production. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was um, looking at some of the, I think Cinecite put out this video where I uh, showed me how they, um, you know, they did the special effects for the backgrounds and it was, yeah, it was a lot of the stuff was, was really added later. It was like this tiny bit that was, you know, props and stage, whatever, and everything else was like, it's a green screen. I was like, what's it like to work, to work in that environment? Is it difficult to put yourself in the setting when so much of it is, is a stage or a props? Um, I don't necessarily think so. It just, maybe it might depend on the scene, I guess for some of the scenes like in series training montage when she was on the obstacle course, uh, it wasn't cold. Right. But with all the snow around, because like they had like fake snow and like the mountain drop in, in front of us and the, the face of the wall that was covered in snow, it, you really got the feeling that this is actually pretty, pretty cold. So it, it was pretty easy to kind of like let your mind just take you to a place where like, yeah, I could be standing there at this point and stuff <laughs> like that. So that's cool. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. So what's filming like? Because um, I was an extra once um, for like a TV show. And for me, it just felt like a lot of waiting around <laughs> and yeah. like refilming the same thing again and again. So what was it like, you know, doing the shooting? I know that, you know, you're, you're probably, you know, experienced. So it wasn't new for you, but if you could describe it to like a newcomer. <laughs> um, it is very tedious. It's always going to be tedious. Like you always get that one director who's always like, one more take, one more take. That was perfect, but one more. And it's like, it's always the same thing over and over again. But uh, to get about a minute and a half of filming takes about, on a good day, takes about 12 hours. So, wow. and on top of that, they could still be, you know, taking a look at that minute and a half on the next day. Like an eighth of a page alone could take an entire day and three different scenes. Uh, uh, scene setups so it is quite an endeavor but if you can if you have the patience for it then it, it can be rewarding or you can always go the theater route and everything is in the moment yeah that's what I was going to ask because you did a lot of theater right yes yeah I've done quite a few plays but uh, I prefer filming just because if something goes wrong you can always do it again Mm -hmm. Whereas in theater, it's like what goes wrong makes the the whole performance, you know, like it's not always about having that perfect uh, line said the perfect way or the perfect uh, part of an act. It's the little things that kind of make it that much more better, like someone forgetting their line and then turning it into a joke and getting the audience to laugh. It just... A little bit more heartfelt mm -hmm. and also at the end of the play you, you know you get the applause afterwards so it's the instant gratification as well <laughs> whereas with film you kind of have to wait a few years or sometimes <laughs> even longer 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you're not watching the audience watch you necessarily, unless you're at the a premiere or something, right? <laughs> Everyone's in right, there right. either the theater when you're not there or the living room, and you know you just have to like be online. Do you go online to read reviews and stuff like that of works that you've been in? I do not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of try to avoid all of that just because some of the things that some people can say can be a little hurtful depending on what it is that they're upset about. So I kind of try to keep myself focused on, you know, working on the next thing and try not to let that govern what I should, you know, do as an actor. I think that's healthy. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say they don't read about themselves about online. So, yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it must be stressful. (laughs) It can be. And it can be depressing as well. So it's like in order to keep your your head up because in this industry, it's a lot of rejection. Like mm. you're going to get a lot of no's before you get that one yes. Mm. And if you let every little bit of uh, feedback or criticism take you down, it's going to be, it's going to be a long day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's like a <laughs> something I work on a lot. Um, I think I'm probably too sensitive for my own good. So yeah. Yeah, I don't have that thick skin, which I, I kind of, I wish, see, <laughs> is needed. Um, so what would you do like during downtime on the set? Would you, I don't know, read or scroll your phone or whatever, <laughs> talk? Um, it depends. Uh, on The Witcher, I would always bring uh, some training swords. So I would always be, you know, practicing some moves, this and the other thing, trying to, uh, to smooge up to the uh, stunt coordinator to see if I can do some cool stuff. Uh, but um on other stuff it's usually just either on your phone or on your book just reading away or listening to audiobooks just trying to keep yourself busy or even just you know focusing on uh your next lines if you've got some and trying to create uh a certain reaction that you should have for the scene Mm. okay did you have very like long days waking up early and you know, spending a lot of time in the makeup chair? <laughs> uh, for me, the makeup chair was pretty quick. I was only in there for, at longest, was an hour and a half one day, but that, that was about it. Whereas, like, Yas, who, who plays Cohen, was usually in the chair for almost three hours trying to get all of his makeup on. <laughs> so, And then there was also Baz, who was, you know, a giant, you know. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, that, that took him quite some time to get <laughs> to get yeah. into but uh <laughs> yeah besides that just you know waiting around in, in the trailer for the scene to come up and then when you get on set it was pretty chill I enjoyed mm-hmm. it awesome yeah I right this this uh shooting was more isolated than usual right because you had to be alone in your trailer in between takes yeah yeah oh, that must have been so, that must have been lonely uh, it was a lot of for the most part yeah it was like always a constant reminder like yeah there's COVID going on so uh there's not much that we can do uh they would get upset when we would kind of like huddle together in somebody's trailer and just hide and start talking they'd open the door like what are you guys doing get out of here <laughs> it's like all right <laughs> just wanted to talk so like as soon as we got on set then we could like shoot the shit and do stuff but, like <laughs> outside of set they were just like COVID marshals like hey you guys shouldn't be doing this <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, sounds sounds isolating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So once it came out, did you, I mean, like how many times did you watch it? Did you watch it with friends or family? Like, well, what, what was that? How did you had to deal with the coming out? Uh, I still haven't finished it. I watched a couple episodes and left it at that. And then <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait for a good time to sit down and watch it because I, <laughs> I've heard all kinds of things from my friends and family like, Oh, you did this. Oh, I like this part. And, stuff like that so I kind of I'm waiting until all of that dies down and then I'll kind of watch it and have my own thing to it so you haven't seen your own death scene yet (laughs) that I have seen okay I I I couldn't I couldn't stay away from that one but yeah (laughs) so I've watched that and I think episode two and three so I still have to watch the rest of it and then I saw episode one at the premiere. So, yeah, how was the premiere? Oh, the premiere was great. Um, I got to uh, sit down, have a chat with uh, Lauren's parents. Uh, they're the nicest uh, couple I've ever seen. Oh. Uh, very interested in so much and wanting to like really get involved. I don't think they were too much involved in the whole industry. So, like, it was quite the experience for them. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was nice. Yeah. And it was fun getting to see like all you know, the people I got to see on set, you know, Baz, Yas, um, Paul, just everybody. It was a really good reunion, especially when oh. Kim, uh, Kim came back. Like uh, Kim was like a father to us on set. It was, it was a good reunion. That's sweet. Yeah. What was the dynamic like between you and, and the other actors um, on set? Uh, it was pretty good. It was like, besides the whole COVID aspect, it was, uh, it just felt like we were just a bunch of boys at school, just <laughs> chilling, picking on a uh, Siri all the time. <laughs> I think just that whole aspect was like, oh, look, it's a new girl. <laughs> what is she doing here? <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty good. Nice. Yeah. I, I heard a lot of the, you know, the actors, I watched a lot of interviews um, as well, besides for talking to Nathaniel last week, I've also been watching a ton of interviews. And yeah, everyone said that the atmosphere was great on set and, you know, very friendly, very fun. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, it was just like everyone knew uh, what was going on and what we had to do. But we also wanted to take our time to enjoy the experience because it was a lifetime experience for all of us, regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, how, how much in the industry each other was. It was something unique that we all can take home and be grateful to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I have a couple of questions from, um, I asked on Reddit if anybody had questions because I'd be doing some interviews. So here are a couple of questions that came in. Um, would you be friends with the character that you play? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I think uh, Merrick is a little bit, He's a bit rambunctious, like, and he likes to over-exaggerate things a little bit too much to the point where it's just like, hmm, did he really do this or is he just trying to sound cool, kind <laughs> of superficial? Like, he, he wants to be that kind of rock star widger, but he doesn't really do the kind of rock star, uh, you know, achievements like Geraltwood or Lambert. Mm-hmm. but he likes to try his best to keep up. 
<laughs> that's good. You know, that's uh, that's an honest assessment of your character. Um, I appreciate that. You're able to see like, oh, no, we wouldn't get along in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess who would you, um, who would you be friends with? This is my question. If there's anyone on this set, any character on the set, who, who would you be friends with? Ah, uh, let's see. I don't know. I, th I think it's hard to be friends with The Witcher just because it's, you know what they do for a living and you know what they get their, their hands into. So like being around them, you know, okay, something messed up is going to happen or somebody's going to die. They're not here to save me. They're just here to kill something and get paid. So unless I'm the one footing the bill, I'm probably expendable kind of thing. And uh, for me personally, I just spent a lot of time just with the witchers uh, on set and, you know, in Care Morin. And then we had the, the, the sex workers from the brothel come up. They, they were a fun bunch. Uh, they were really chill and open about a lot of things. Uh, they'd be pretty cool to hang out with, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But beside that, besides that, um, hanging out with Siri might also be a death sentence just because everyone seems to end up dead around her. So. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> she has a whole complex about that and here you are just confirming it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I guess you haven't, if you haven't watched the whole show, you can't really choose yet which character you'd want to be friends with. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So Just the there, ones that I've had the experience of meeting. Right. Is there another character that you would play if you could play from the show? From the show, if I could. Um, I would like to be a, another character that hasn't been created yet. Something original that would be necessarily a villain. So like, I, I would definitely like to be like, I, I would like to be one of those high vampires. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the whole BC area that they come up with, but in The Witcher, there are these high echelon vampires who are very sophisticated and they create a network within a city, not necessarily a small town, but like a larger city where they could create thralls to come and give them blood and they can feed off of the city and protect themselves so much in you know society where like they're like oh that's that high noble such and such no one can touch him he's always so nice he's always donating i would like to be one of those vampires as a villain mm -hmm. just because i think it would be very very difficult for a witcher to kind of handle that situation without <laughs> looking safe. like he's just killing someone in person Right. <laughs> so I guess speaking of that, have you, um, how immersed are you in the Witcher world? Like, and you said you read the, you played the video games before. Did you do any more work like reading the books in preparation for this or something? Um, I didn't want to read the books just because um, my character was original. Right. So he was going to be completely different to what was already established in the books. And also a lot of the Witchers aren't in that book. So I just wanted to take what I know from the games 
and apply that so that way it would be a healthy medium between the books as you know being a witcher in itself and then the games as being not a witcher who's made it that far because mm-hmm. the, ba- the games take place years after the book so mm-hmm. i thought that would be a nice middle for the show okay <laughs> cool so um now just a couple well questions about you know, kind of the, yourself and that stuff. So um, what drives you? Like what motivates you when you get up in the morning? Like what's on your mind? Um, it's definitely the next part, trying to get it. And when I do get it, it's getting on set. Um, it's hard to explain, but every time I step on set, it's like everything that's been holding me down or depressing me just gets lifted and like, it's a weird kind of euphoria, just stepping on set, regardless of what role it is, or even if I'm just working as part of the crew, just getting on set every day literally is, it's eye-opening for me. Like I, it's just something that I love doing, even if it's for theater, it's just, just that process. And that, I think that gets me up every day, being able to work towards the next project that I get to work you know, step on that set for, so to say. Do you look for anything specific when you look for a project? Like, are there any specific attributes that inspire you, that make you excited to work on something? Or is it? Um, Not particular, no. I think uh, it would be, I I am far from the position to be able to turn down work for those kind of reasons. If I get it, I'm probably going to take it, so. (laughs) Um, okay so when it gets to that point where I could start focusing on that kind of image then maybe I could answer that question a little better but (laughs) not there yet yeah okay what's um, some of the most challenging part about about your work um the auditioning process because Mm -hmm. 80 percent of it is just auditioning it's cold reading it's you know trying to get in that room with the cast and director, being able to read. And just that process is the most difficult part because you literally have to fall in love with the character and fall in love with the project actually before it becomes yours. So you get given like two or three pages of a script and then you have to create a character, fall in love with that character and be able to display and create that character flawlessly and then you have to wait for a yes and if you don't get that yes then that's gone you know so when you do get that yes it's it's great and then you get to be that but that's only 20 percent of the work is showing up and then doing the work but the other 80 percent is literally just additioning nonstop. Mm-hmm. yeah and like you said before the rejection is not yeah. easy do you get feedback yeah. when you get rejection about why? Um, it depends. Some It depends on the production and it depends on the project. Some are a little too overwhelmed with mm-hmm. uh, submissions to be able to give feedback for each one. Uh, uh, and some that are looking for something a little bit more specific, they can give feedback and it's nice to hear, but also, getting feedback from a casting director isn't necessarily going to be helpful. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds kind of weird, but 
one casting director could say, oh yeah, um, I was looking for something a little bit more this. And then you go to another uh, casting director for another audition and you'll do that. And then that casting director could tell you the opposite because mm -hmm. that's not what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult in that aspect. If it's for theater, like let's say for a musical, then yeah, you can get that feedback because they could say, oh, we were looking for someone who had a little bit more vocal experience or a little bit more vocal training. You could take that feedback, go get yourself some training and you know work towards auditioning for something on that lines again. But besides that, the feedback is, it's not as beneficial, mm -hmm. so to say. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> tying into this is what's some of the best professional advice you've ever received? Get a manager. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because. <laughs> um, because you can get an agent, and the agent will make money off of whatever you do that they get for you. Mm -hmm. If you get a manager, they're making money off of everything you do. And they're going to keep your schedule busy mm. with stuff to do. So that way they're making the money. So, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's actually advice I got from uh, Donald Glover. Okay. So I so, guess you worked on yeah. something with him. Yeah, I was, uh, I spoke with him on Han Solo and yeah, mm -hmm. he, uh, he gave me that. He was like, Hey, listen, just get a manager. How do you get a manager? Out. Um, it's just as easy as getting an agent. Just talk to managers out there, let them know who you are and what you're doing. And if they are interested in taking you up as a client, then they can do that for you. Cool. Okay. Do you typically stick with the same manager for like your whole career? Um, you can. I don't think a lot of people do, but mm -hmm. it depends on how good the manager is, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. So now, what's some of the best personal advice that you received? Don't give up on what you want to do with your life, regardless of what people say that you should do. Don't give up on what it is that you know in your heart, because you don't want to, you don't want to ever look back and say, I coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, do it because you only have one life. And regardless of what you think the outcome might be, you'll never know unless you try. Yeah. As you miss hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's funny because I was going to ask the next question is like, what's, is there a line that kind of guides you? That's your motivating line. So I don't know if it's, if it's the same thing, you know, <laughs> is, is, is uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for the most part, yeah. It's just like, that, that pretty much guides me. It says like, as soon as you let the rejection get to you and stop you, it's just a slippery slope. So regardless mm -hmm. of what people say, how many no's you get, or what you think the world out there thinks of you or thinks that you shouldn't do, it doesn't matter. Just follow your heart, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I love that. I'm definitely a big proponent of that ideology of yeah, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. So 100%. Um, yeah. yeah, what are some goals that you want to achieve professionally? Uh, professionally, I would love to lead a multi million dollar production. 
That is definitely a life goal of mine. So, so lead soon like, one day. Did you say lead? Oh, no, lead, lead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, like the Jurassic World franchise. I would like to be the leading man of that someday. Like, you know, that ship's probably already sailed. But like, hey, the next best thing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm always waiting to hear it. Like, I would very much love to be the next Static Shock. You know, if they decide to make that movie, I would love to be him. Like, mm -hmm. that's just a character I grew up with. You know, he had a lot of the same interests as me when I was growing up, going to, you know, comic cons and comic books and all that stuff, playing video games. It just, he resonated with me. So, like, being able to lead that movie on a multi million dollar budget, like, that would just be a dream come true. Like, absolutely. Like, that's a life goal for me. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna ask a dumb question. I probably didn't hear or don't recognize Static Shaw. What was the character? Yeah, Static Shaw. He's a, okay. uh, a DC hero. He's like okay. one of the younger ones. He was about like 14 at around the time of Justice League. Mm. So, <laughs> sorry, yeah, I'm would... displaying my ignorance of the, that world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, DC is not as good as Marvel because, you know, their storytelling is a little bit shoddy, but. <laughs> I, I still would love to do that character. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I feel sorry that I can't really, I have no follow-up on that because I just, I don't engage in that world at all. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope you get there. That's all I could say to that. And um, I guess advice for people wanting to get into creative fields. I think you've said it already, but if there's anything else that you want to say about advice for people who want to get into something creative. Yeah, um, the, the state of the industry right now is not what it used to be so many years ago. Everyone has access to the internet. Everyone has access to YouTube. Everyone has access to TikTok, this, that, and the other thing. Social media is on a whole nother level. So don't believe that you need to be a part of a production to do something. Grab your cell phone, grab couple of your friends, start putting together a skit, throw it on YouTube, find something funny, find, write something funny, write something that is passionate that you want to tell, a story you want to tell. Just get it, film it, toss it out there. Like nothing, and anything can happen. Not, nothing out there will tell you now. Just get it done and do it. it you're your own worst enemy if you don't, so. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that is in line with what you said before about having the courage to just do it. <laughs> I had that on my desk, you know, Nike symbol, just do it. So that was on my, uh, one of my previous jobs was right in front of me. <laughs> um, and then last question, is there any funny story or interesting story or high fault moment um, from filming from The Witcher that you would like to share? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm putting you on the spot, sorry. <laughs> um. There was a couple of things here and there. Um, there was a, uh, a couple of inside moments that the witchers had where like every time there was a chance that I got to say something, it was kind of like, a, ah. <laughs> and everyone would look at me and just go like, oh, don't worry about him. We don't talk about Merrick. And it's like, ah. Oh. Well, you get, wait, but, I'm trying to figure out the timing because if it would have been after Encanto came out, you could have all said, we don't talk about marriage. No, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> like, oh yeah, he's in the wall somewhere. I'm just sitting there peeking through the little cracks with Gary Warren, just like, ah. Wait, but, yeah. so if I go back and will I actually find you like peering through the walls? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I have to actually watch all the episodes that way I can see myself, but I'll see. That's funny. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on, for agreeing to be interviewed. Um, so yes, yeah, so what? Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. It was it was interesting. Thanks for sharing, you know, your your story of how you went from young Chewy to to current Chewy and you know everything in between. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing you hopefully at the trivia, which you probably should finish watching everything before the trivia game. Ah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably I'll, I'll I'll start working on it this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I have to also rewatch everything to get the questions. So, okay. I uh, we, I did a podcast episode on each um each episode. So I obviously did a lot of watching for that, but now I have to make the questions. So <laughs> more watching. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, thanks so much, and have have a great weekend, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. You as well. Thanks. Bye. Have a good one. Thank you to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Lily, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe, Rochelle, Saucy Toggles, Anne, Rose, Alexa, Missy, Joanne, Esther, I'm watching you people, Emily, Jean, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Christine, Sadie, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Amapora, and Alicia. Thank you so much. Your support is truly appreciated.